We're in our Real Talk series, and this is our final uh, message in this series, and we're going to be talking some adult conversation today. So if you've got 12 and under, if you feel like they're okay in here, I mean, we're not going to use vulgarity, but if there's some topics you would prefer them not to hear, uh, then we have amazing children's ministry and any of our ushers would be glad to help you back there to check your children in. All right. And so get your notes out. Let's go right into our text that we've been using. And, and Pastor Brad and I, if you're a guest, I'm Pastor Dan, the senior pastor, executive pastor, Pastor Brad, and we've teamed up on several of our messages throughout this series, and we're going to be a little bit different today. I'm going to, rather than more than dialogue that we've done back and forth on the other messages, I'm going to deal with the first part, and then he's going to come in and close out the second part, all right? And so uh, kind of a little bit different, but get your notes. Let's go right to our text in First Thessalonians that we've used every message throughout this series. May the God of peace himself make you entirely pure and devoted to God. How many knows that's the task right there? Amen. But that's our desire to be entirely pure and devoted to God. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept strong and blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. And throughout this series, we've talked a lot about the spirit. We've talked a lot about the soul and how different topics affect them. And today, I want to get down to that nitty-gritty. Pastor Brad and I do. We're going to talk about that body, that flesh. And how many realize as though you're saved, you still have one? Come on. Amen. And boy, is it ever alive, right? And so Paul goes on in Corinthians. It's in your notes, and I'm not going to read through the whole scripture. We'll get right into our points today. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do, does righteousness and wickedness have in common? And anyone that knows you know, just life, a yoke is a piece of wood that holds two oxen or two animals together side by side. And what he was saying there was be careful what you get close to. Be careful what you hang with and you allow to get that close to you that is inseparable, that you can't go your own directions. And then he says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and then I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters to me. What God is saying is mine and your actions and decisions have a direct effect on how much he gets to become the savior and the Lord of our life. He provides salvation, but our decisions, we have a, a part to play in how close God really gets to us. And he says, since we have these promises that if I touch not, and he becomes a father to me, we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything, say everything, that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of a reverence to God. Now, most often in our society, when we use the term body or flesh, we often think of appearance or weight. And, and you know, how many of us, you know, last year in January had a New Year's resolution, I'm going to lose 20 pounds by December. And when December came, we only had 35 pounds to go. <laughs> we didn't do too well, all right? And so I want to go deeper than that today as we're in this Real Talk series. And, and if you're guests, I mean, they're doing the hats and the hoodies and one, one lady in another state emailed me this week on Facebook. She goes, since when did you allow hats on your stage? I said, just Sundays. And uh, <laughs> ended that conversation. But anyway, so we're in this real talk, and we want to talk real talk with you today because I want to help some people. Because how many besides me can use some help? All right? 
I want to talk today on body grenades, and I'm going to deal with three areas very quickly, about five minutes each, on each area that, that are grenades that the enemy wants to use to bring destruction to mine and your body, all right, that these are areas of attack, all right, because what we do with our body has a direct effect on our spirit and our soul. Romans, the apostle Paul says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. How many's found that out to be true? For in my inner being, I delight to do God's law. What Paul said was, I really want to do good. I really want to do what's right, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging this war against the law of my mind. And here's what I want you to get today. That war, that battle, that attack of the enemy against my body is to make me a prisoner of the law of sin that's at work in my body, my members. Then Paul gets just straight on. He goes, what a wretched man that I am. Who would rescue me from this body of death? And so three areas I want to quickly get into today that are grenades that I want us to identify today. And, and, listen, and then Pastor Brad's going to bring us into the solution of how to overcome these. Number one is addictions. And all three of these are used multiple times throughout Scripture. Addictions. What are addictions? Anything I don't want to do, but I keep doing. So let me go ahead and just open this and relieve you, and you can breathe. My name's Dan Livingston, and I'm an addict. And, and if, you can't, if you won't say that, then you're addicted to deceit and lying. Because all of us have issues we haven't fully overcome yet. Come on, anybody willing to be honest with me in here? And that doesn't mean I want to be, and it doesn't mean I plan on staying there, but there's still some stuff. And when I think I don't have any, my wife reminds me that I do. Okay? And so how do I know that I'm addicted to something? Here's some, here's some ideas. Number one, do I arrange my schedule around it? Do I make time for it every day? Do I need to keep it a secret? Is it isolating me from people that love me and I'm close to, but it's pulling me away from them? Do others say you have a problem with that area in your life and you're ignoring or denying it? Here's the big one. Can you go seven days without it? See, some of us are addicted to our iPhone. It's not, it's not the drugs and alcohol. It's social media or it's a video game. And it might be alcohol, it might be chemical dependency. So we, we've got to answer the question, is there anything in my life that I can't go seven days without? Is there something that I'm hiding in a secret? Paul says in Romans 6, therefore do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. And today, if there's an area of mine in your life that I can't go seven days without, or I have to keep secret, or I plan part of my day for it to be fulfilled, there's an addiction going on in my life, and it's a grenade that will eventually explode and bring great destruction in your life and to those around you if you don't identify it and deal with it. And so then addictions, if I don't deal with them properly, lead to the next grenade that I wanna to talk to you about. 
and I'm using a big religious word here, but it's the way it's presented in the Bible. It's called debauchery. Debauchery, the second grenade is debauchery. And here's what debauchery literally means. It's a habitual and excessive indulgence and sensual pleasure. And a habitual and excessive indulgence and sensual pleasure, crazy partying, wild nights, usually accompanied with excessive use of alcohol. It's when we allow the desires of our senses to call the shots and the decisions that we make with our body. And how many knows when you allow your senses to make decisions, not your convictions, you're in some serious trouble. And, and this affects 30 and under today a lot more than 30 and above, but it affects us all. And the reason I say that is my generation grew up and we had moral boundaries that were established that if God didn't kill us, our parents would. Come on, 30 and above. I mean, you know, when I grew up, I didn't do a lot of things because I feared God, but I didn't do a whole lot more things because I feared my dad when I got home. You know, Then I got old enough to understand the fear of God. But our generation grew up with moral boundaries. We grew up with convictions and we grew up with a godly fear. Even the government got involved in our convictions growing up. Anybody remember a lady named Nancy Reagan? And, and she publicly declared and made law and, and brought policies in of anti-drug, anti-alcohol, anti-premarital sex. And there was a theme that ran with it all across our social media, just say no. Politicians and all of our political leaders today go, that's not politically correct. And they're more concerned in being politically correct than they are the welfare of the moral being of our children and our nation. And their philosophy today is, if your body says you want it, go do it, that's who you are. And we've got a generation today that's living in debauchery and don't even realize what they're living in. And it's a grenade that's gonna destroy you. My generation said, just say no. Today's leaders say, just be yourself. If it feels good, go with it. And to our young people, especially in this room today and online and via the web and, and really all of you, do not listen to the mindset of society today. Do not listen to that. Establish some absolute moral convictions and stand on them regardless of where everyone else around you is going. And base them on the word of God. Do not follow your feelings, follow truth. And truth can only be established through moral absolutes and moral convictions. Here's what I say to my young people, and we've had young people come to this church. We've had boys come here that had an intention of taking some of our young girls into a sexual escapade. And we found out about it and we had some go to Jesus meetings with them. And we've also had some young girls come here and made it public that they had all intentions of, of taking the virginity. It was a challenge to them of some of our young leaders in this church and we had a real powwow with them. And we let them know, you're welcome here. You're welcome to come here with Je to meet Jesus. But if you're coming here for that, I just became your issue, not them because that ain't happening here. And so I say to the young people of this church, when that boy or that girl comes to you and says, I wanna sleep with you, just come back with it. You wanna sleep with this? Then meet me, court me, date me, fall in love with me, make me fall in love with you. Put a ring on this finger and then we'll do it Jesus way and we'll have the favor and the blessing of God upon our life.
You see, you can't trust your feelings. Feelings will get you in trouble every time. Paul says in Ephesians, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. There's the word in the Bible. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and here's what I say with that. And we're not preachers up here. I'm not saying up here, if you have a beer, you're going to hell. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. But it does say that you've got to be careful about getting drunk in wine. And, And the reason I hear people today, I hear Christians today go, man, I want them to legalize that marijuana. I want some weed, man. It helps numb my feelings. I want that, I gotta get a little, I don't get wasted, Pastor, but just a little bit because if your life is so bad that you need it numbed, we got issues far deeper than a beer or a smoking of a weed. Come on, folks, help me in here just a little bit. And, and that's what God is saying because here's what the devil wants you to do is fall into that trap because when you numb your senses, you also numb your ability to make right decisions. And he's gonna pull you into this trap called debauchery. There's a story of these two guys went to a bar and they both got lit. They left about two o'clock in the morning and they went out to leave and instead of going left to the car, they were so drunk, they went right and started down a railroad track. About 20 minutes down the track, one guy goes, man, this is the, the longest stairway I ever walked in my life. I ain't never seen so many stairs in my life. And the other guy goes, yeah, it's that low handrail that's wearing me out. You know, that railroad track. Some of you will get it in a minute. <laughs> Railroad track, low rail, been over, walking a long way. See, some of you just got it. <clears throat> and that's, that right there is what needing to dull my senses will do. And when you let your senses get dull, you come into the next grenade, and that's called sexual immorality. You see, this is a term used throughout Scripture. Sexual immorality comes from the Greek word pornea, where we get our English word pornography, but it really doesn't mean pornography. Pernia in the Bible means any sexual act outside of a biblically, not government, defined marriage. Any sexual activity outside of one man with one woman in a marriage covenant relationship is defined by the word of God as sexual immorality. And it will destroy you and it will destroy everything around you if you indulge in it. It starts with a little addiction, it then turns to debauchery, and then it comes into a place of sexual immorality. You see, marriage is defined by God as one man, one woman, and and it was only when mankind and society violated that. And listen, I love you today, and this is not pointing at a certain group or a certain sexual identity, because this word, Sexual immorality deals with anything and everything outside of a relationship between a husband and wife. It can be pornography. It can be lust. It can be an emotional affair. It can be a physical affair. Any sexual activity outside of a relationship between a husband and a wife is defined by the word of God as sexual immorality. Now, I expect to get really quiet in here, and y'all doing really well. You see, the scripture was written, and I'm gonna hurry over here because Pastor Brad's got some really important stuff to share, but here's what I want you to see, and it really brings this to light. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians during a time where there was temple prostitutes. Literally, the people went to the temple to have sex with temple prostitutes. And Paul shows up, and he's blown away, and he goes, do you not know? Are y'all crazy? Do you not know 
It's what he says in 1 Corinthians in your notes. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ? And here's the word I want to focus on for just two minutes and then Pastor Brad's going to take over. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. And here's what he was saying. The word unite here in the Greek in the original means to permanently fuse together oneself with another at the deepest level. He said when you have sexual relations with that woman, that prostitute, it could be anybody that's not your spouse. Paul said you are fusing yourself together spiritually, emotionally, and physically with that person at the deepest level. And so when you go out there and have that spring break fling and pastor, I don't even, I didn't even get her name. But pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm in my 40s. I have a right to satisfy some needs that I have. When you left that person, you left them with part of you and you took them home with you. And that's why God's trying to get our attention and saying it's far deeper than a, an act or a pleasure. This is a soul bond. Let me just say this to you today, especially to our young people. When that person tries to get you into that sexual act, you better realize that you're doing a whole lot more than just having a little bit of fun. When that act is over and you become sexual with that person, you just took on part of their spirit, part of their character, part of their nature, and you're taking that home with you. And you're also taking on the spirit and nature of every person they've already slept with that they've taken on part of their nature. It's in the Bible. Just talking to you today. And so I want to challenge you today that God is saying, realize today that there's some grenades out there Listen to your pastor today. Before you have sexual relations with another person, realize today if it's not your married spouse, you're operating in your bodies fulfilling the lust of sexual immorality and you are taking on the very spirit of that person that you're having that relationship with at the deepest level. That's why God gave us sexual relations between a husband and a wife and that's why you need to keep that part of your marriage healthy. Because it's a soul bond that can only happen through that type of relationship. And if you go to any counseling, marriage counseling, that is Christian counseling, you will hear this, that in the darkest struggles of your marriage, they will tell you, have sex. It's real talk. You need, to, you need to have sex. I don't even want to talk to her right now, much less have sex with her. You need to have sex. And, and what that does is it brings a healing that only that can do because God created it to do that. And it brings a bond that says for better or worse, sickness or poor, good or bad, we're in this for life and we're gonna work it out and make it work in Jesus' name. And so addiction, debauchery, sexual immorality, three grenades that the enemy wants to bring against your body to destroy your flesh, to thus destroy God's ability to live and operate through your spirit. Pastor Brad. So I think one of the, uh, the things that we usually identify, and one of the things we've noticed in counseling, and I've noticed, and, and, and if you talk to people that are counselors and, uh, or pastors, one of the things that we we've have found um, is that we have, there's a spiritual consequence and a, and a, 
physical or a natural consequence that happens uh, when we don't honor what God assigned to marriage. And so uh, one of the things that happens is we tend to allow trees of problems to grow in our life. Um, And so uh, whether it's uh, an identity crisis or insecurities that causes us to make decisions, like we're talking about debauchery or sexual morality, decisions that fall into those categories, what tends to happen a lot when we do that is now we've created big problems in our life that grow to be full-grown trees, and then they become deeply rooted in our spirit. They become deeply rooted in who we are. And what happens to a lot of marriages, and we have found this out, and we have counselors that are in this house that would, that would help agree with me on this, is that what can happen is you may cut that tree of problems down, but if you don't get the roots out of your life, you may try to build a new house of marriage on top of it, but eventually those roots are going to crack the very foundation of your marriage. And so what we have to do and what you have to do is we have to come to an understanding and recognizing, number one, what is leading me to make these decisions? Is it insecurity problems? With females, as a pastor, I have found out that insecurity leads to 90% of the problems that they run into, whether it's a dad issue or whether it's a problem just within themselves or whether an ex whatever has made them feel inadequate in any sort of way. Those identity crises and insecurities drive them to make decisions to feel adequate enough and good enough and those things become full-blown root systems in their lives and it always cracks the foundation of every future relationship that they try to engage in. And so what we have to do is understand that there's, we have to, number one, not allow the roots to take place or, and also uh, get those roots out of our life that have taken such deep control uh, of our psyche. And so both of those things are so vital and so important in our life. But we wanna introduce you, so we wanna talk about three things that w- what we call bodyguards. So he talked about body grenades, we wanna talk about bodyguards. First Thessalonians 4, four through five says, each of you should learn to control his own body uh, in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the heathen who do not know God, right? And so one of the things that, man, I grew up in church, uh, growing up in church, uh, the church became very good at telling us all the things we shouldn't be doing and all the things that are bad and how they're terrible for us, but they never did a good job at telling us how to overcome them, right? So like I grew up in church, it was like, don't drink and don't have sex and don't do these things. I'm like, all right, all right, I got that. So now what? And there wasn't a lot of youth pastors or anyone, church leaders in general, that gave me direction on what to do. They were just really good at telling me what not to do. Um, And so we wanna just kind of introduce you to some solutions to these things, um, whether it's sexual immorality or whether, the lifestyle, why? Because that lifestyle is appealing, right? Even the Bible says it, like sin is fun for a season. Like there is a draw, there is appeal to indulging in the natural part of who we are. Why? Because we're born with sin. And so when we give in to sin, it naturally is gonna be fun for a season. So we have to slave ourselves to Christ more than the thing that is taking control of us. Does that make sense? And so we have to work diligently on that. The first thing we have to do is we have to avoid it. Like avoid the the thing that is drawing us. And, And for most of us, we don't get completely consumed by a number of things. It's usually like one or two, like it's the thing, like set aside the sin that so easily besets us. Why? Because we don't usually naturally become consumed with all of these things. It's usually the one that has attached itself to us. So we avoid it. 
And one of the things that, that we learn in Colossians uh, 3, 1 through 3, uh, the writer says this, and I think that it's just perfect for what we're talking about. If then you have been raised with Christ, right? So we're talking about believers. Now, unbelievers, I, and I want to encourage you as church folks, right? How many guys know people that are far too religious? Anyone know, like, you, like their answer to everything is ridiculous? You know, like, man, how did you get that new car? Well, Jesus just radically, like, well, all right or you sign the loan papers. Like, let's just calm down for a second. So, but what, what we wanna talk about is in Colossians, it says, if then you've been raised with Christ, so we're talking about believers. Like we have been assigned to this scripture. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so the solution to avoiding it is, I love Benny, uh, not Benny, Billy Graham. Um, back in the early 90s, the mid 90s, uh, there was a lot of pastors that were falling to uh, immorality. So Swagger and some of those others had fallen um, uh, into sexual immorality and a number of other things. And they asked Billy Graham, they were interviewing him one time, and they said, how come you haven't fell yet? Like, what is your secret? <laughs> and Billy Graham's response, and I loved it, and I, I use it to this day as just like a model for life. And he's like, oh, that's easy. I don't trust myself. And the interviewer was like, what do you mean? No, trust yourself. He said, like, see, I don't, I don't have to decide if I'm going to cheat on my wife because I never put myself in a position where I get to cheat on my wife, right? So he said, if I'm traveling and doing, if I'm gonna be preaching in Washington, D.C., I'm taking someone on staff, a man that's on staff with me to D.C. with me, and we're gonna do that crusade together, but I don't ever travel by myself. And the few times that I do travel by myself, I make it mandatory that the church that I'm going to assigns a man from their staff to live or to stay in the hotel room next to me so that he always knows what's happening in my hotel. There's no way that I could ever be put in a position to have to make that decision. See, the problem is many of us consider ourselves far too highly and our ability to make a good character decision when faced with it. Right? So we're like, no, 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 no. I'll make the right decision when that time comes. Yeah. Your sinful desires prove otherwise because none of us are that good yet. So the thing is, is we, we, when we're strong, we consider ourselves too strong. And when the time comes that we're weak, we haven't put the necessary precautions in place that when we are weak, we could make the right decision. And so we find ourselves constantly making bad ones. And so what it says is avoid it. Well, how do you avoid it? Well, the solution isn't well, just be strong and, and make all the right decisions. Well, no, we have figured out that we're really bad rule followers, right? If you don't believe me, find a teenager and tell them not to do something. You can bet it's gonna happen at some point, right? Like all the parents are like, yeah, that's the truth, right? So don't clean your room when you get, no, I'm just kidding. So if I get, but we, what happens is we find ourselves not very good rule followers. So when we say to avoid something, naturally it becomes something that we desire. Well, Colossians is telling us in this scripture that we should set our minds on things that are above, not on things that aren't. So how do we avoid debauchery and sexual immorality? It's not that we uh, constantly think about those things. It's actually that we focus so much so and so highly on our relationship with Christ that we have no time spent on putting our mind on things that are below. We are so consistently looking at Jesus and we are so consistently 
considering his path for us and those things that he wants for us, that we have no time to mess with the things that are of earth. And so it's not, don't do it. Just try not to do it. Just constantly say no. It's constantly seek Christ and you'll constantly be in the right places. So, and the second thing, the second thing that we have to do is number one, we have to avoid it. But then the second thing is we have to have mind control. We have to have mind control. We have to control our thoughts, mind control. And so what happens is we find ourselves in positions where we have to constantly make the right decisions. But just like we said before, like we're not very good at doing that and we're not very good rule followers. And so I love Matt Chandler gave the analogy, which I always think is perfect, right? And that is that, um, well, let's, let's read the scripture from Colossians. It says, Colossians, going along with what we were just reading, the next portion says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, just like we talked about, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. And on, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So what we see here in Colossians is he's saying, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, right? How many of you guys have ever seen the TV show When Animals Attack? Anyone ever seen that before, right? Like, how many of us always find ourselves rooting for the animal, right? Because, like, humans put themselves in terrible decisions. Like, like what, what are we going to do to sell this bar of soap? Oh, we're going to lay this lady in a bikini on top of a lion. Well, guess what's going to happen when you do that, right? Like, the lion is going to do what it was created to do. Eventually, it's going to turn on that person, right? The problem is, a lot of us, just like Matt Chandler said, it was beautiful when he said it, he said, a lot of us tend to treat sin like a well-trained lion, thinking that it's never going to turn on us on our moment of weakness, so we keep it around and we toy with it. We don't destroy it. We don't put it away. We don't not let it be a part of our life. We keep it around thinking that we've trained it well enough for it not to destroy us, but we don't want to completely get rid of it. But Colossians is explaining very clearly in chapter three that we are to put it to death. He didn't say entertain it. He didn't say hide it. He didn't say put it in a closet. He said, get rid of it in the nastiest way possible. Die to that thing so that it is no longer a part of you. And so we have to understand that we are not to become so fixated on constantly wrestling with the things of life that we are supposed to put them to death. The best analogy, many of us have tried to lose weight before. Some of you are blessed with the necessity to not have to do that, but we don't like you. No, I'm just kidding, we do. But the, like we've all lost weight before, and I've given this analogy before, but how many of us have ever found ourselves in a position where we're trying to lose weight, and our solution to doing that is telling ourselves constantly that we can't have something? right? So you can't have that pizza, no carbs. You can't have that pizza. You can't have, guess what you're eventually going to do? You're going to eat the pizza and it's going to be awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> praise God, the cheese and the pepperoni. Sorry, sorry. All y'all low carb. You're like, Hey, come on somebody. So, <laughs> but what happens, right? Is we eventually find ourselves indulging in the thing that we constantly told ourselves we could not have. Why? Because number one, again, we're not good rule followers, but number two, our mind is constantly fixed on what we should not have, as opposed to constantly pursuing the things that we should have. 
And it works that way in our spiritual walk in that any of us that are constantly going, no, I can't have sex, I can't watch pornography, I can't drink, I can't, like, I can't, whatever, I can't do any of these things and, and, and like, theologically not wrestling those, t- like, th- there are things that the Bible is abundantly clear on sexual morality, and then you will chalk up the rest later. But the things that we find ourselves saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, and every day we tell ourselves, no, 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 eventually you're gonna find yourself doing it because you've weighed all your options and all your decisions on on the thing and you're focused on what you can't have as opposed to becoming focused on what you can have, setting your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are below. So what happens is we find ourselves constantly in the same position that we don't wanna be in, just like Paul. The things I don't wanna do, I find myself doing, and the things I wanna do, I don't find myself doing. I can't, and, and we constantly wrestle with it every day because we're focused on that. And the, the reality and the solution to overcoming the addictions in life is that we should constantly be setting our mind on Christ. We should be setting our mind on his goodness and on his grace and on his mercy and how we can please him more today and how we can follow through with his plan for us today and how good he is to us today. And yet that sex may be great and these things may be good and that may be fun for a season, but Jesus is better than. The solution to the things that you want to overcome is realizing that Christ is always better than any of those things. And so we have to find ourselves in a position where it's no longer say no, say no, say no. It's say yes. But say yes to what is right. Which takes us to our third point, which uh, is the last one, and that's that we need to just go all in with God. Go all in with God. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, that we want you to understand that God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. That God has a destiny for you. He has something for you to fulfill. Like, it's not one of those things. I, 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 man, again, I was raised in church where the solution was like, all right, you're saved. Now what? It's like, now just hang on till Jesus comes. Life is gonna get really bad, so just hang on tight. You know what I mean? Like, like, no wonder Christians like wrestle out the hard stuff elsewhere because this is terrible. Like, your advice is bad. And so, but what, what we need to understand, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, what's awesome is some of the translations say that we are his craftsmanship. In other words, we are something that he has paid close attention to, and he shaped us, and he molded us, and he created us, and then he created us in Christ Jesus for good works. That means he has a plan and a destiny that he wants you to fulfill, and those that plan and that destiny, which God God prepared beforehand means that he had destined you to do those things when you were formed. Actually, you were destined to do those things when he laid the foundation of the earth. So when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, he already had a plan for you in 2017 to do good things because you are his craftsmanship. So you are his greatest treasure and he wants to use you as a believer to do great things. But if you're just constantly thinking every day about how you can't watch pornography, you're never gonna fulfill it. Like there's a purpose for you, but that purpose, that purpose is requiring you to be so fixed on who Jesus is that you're no longer concerned with those things that are below. And that's the solution. So the solution is that don't just say no, hang on. Ah, like, no, man, that's a, that's terrible advice. And it never works. We got 30 years of church religious experience to prove it. Right. 
When you go and you find people that are in trouble, when you go and you find people that are struggling, you go and find people that are in their mid thirties, you can find a bulk of them saying, man, I grew up in church and then I did this, 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 and this. Why? Because we were really good at laying out the rules, but we were terrible at laying out the solutions. What is a solution? Become so fixed on Jesus that you have little time for anything else. So when I was, when I was a student pastor here, we had a saying, uh, especially when it came to relationships. How do I know who to date, pastor? Like, how do I know when I found the right one, right? It's like, well, first of all, you're 12, so. <laughs> Ease up on the reins there, killer. <laughs> but secondly, you wanna know who may, listen, what you need to do is you need to run after Jesus as hard as you can, for as long as you can, as fast as you can. And once you reach top speed, look to your left or look to your right. And if there's a person of the opposite sex running next to you after Jesus as hard as they can, as fast as they can, for as long as they can, they're an option, right? So like, so whether you're a teenager in the house, stop looking for someone to complete you because only Jesus can do that. But that didn't stop at teenagers, man. Like, I know people that are 50 years old that have been wrestled with an identity crisis since they were 10 years old. Like something happened to them and they, now they just don't know who they are. Listen, like only Jesus can fulfill you and only Jesus can complete you. And the person that you've been looking to do that for you for however many years or decades is never going to be that because they were never meant to complete you. They were built to accompany you and being completed by your savior. So we need to be looking to Christ for anything and everything that is gonna be all things to us. So we fix our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are below. So we put those to death because we don't let them become a part of us anymore. We become so fixed on Jesus that all we want is what he wants for us. And if that's a relationship, so be it. If that's for us to pursue something else, so be it. Whatever it is that Jesus wants for me, that's what I want for myself. So Ephesians 2.10 comes to completion in that Christ is already everything. That the gospel is greater than and Jesus is greater than anything this earth can put in front of you because Jesus is everything. So we honor Christ in, even in our relationships. Someone asked me the other day, uh, even going back to the Billy Graham concept, you know, like, you know, Pastor Brad, how do you resist it? How do you stay away? I'm like, oh, that's like, again, that's the example. Like some, and some of you have done it. You know, you'll hit me up on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, which I hardly ever use. But if a woman sends me a Facebook message, the first person that finds about it is my wife. I'm like, hey baby, I just want you to know, like, like, even if they're married, I don't care. No one is gonna walk up to my wife. No woman is gonna walk up to my wife and say, yeah, I was messaging your husband the other day. And her go, oh, really? It's not gonna happen. Why? Because Jesus, Christ's greatness is even alive in my marriage. I'm so fixed on what Jesus wants for me I don't even have time for my marriage to be sidetracked with something, even people that have the best of intentions. Like there's not even gonna be the pollution of a thought process that her husband may be guilty of doing something. Why? Because she's always aware. Why? Because Christ is always being glorified in all things. Does that mean that we have no problems? No, 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 we wrestle too. But I fix my eyes on things that are above, not on things that are below. And then I constantly pursue the good works that Jesus prepared for me long ago. That is our solution. And we wanna pray with you today because I believe this is something that we wrestle with. I mean, I know it's something that we wrestle with because the struggle's real. Like, 
it exists in our life. And so we, we wanna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you and then pastor's gonna pray. And, and uh, man, we just wanna see God radically transform our lives and hearts today. So uh, just bow your heads with us. Father, I just pray for every person that's in here, God. Usually we, usually we have people raise hands, but this isn't even one of those things that like certain people battle with. We all collectively battle with this problem. And there's areas of our lives that we're not proud of, Lord, but you're greater than those. So Father, I just pray right now that we have a passionate pursuit after the gospel in our life and in all things that Jesus is better than, that Jesus is greater than, that our pursuit after him is gonna constantly put us in a place that we are, are passionately running so fast and so hard and with everything that we have after you and the plan that you have for us that we have little time for anything else. And those things that can keep up with our pursuit after you are things that we can entertain to be a part of our life. So God, we run after you with everything. I pray that those things that are part of our lives, God, just like those lions that we're trying to train, the sin that's in our life or the struggles that are in our life, God, that you help enable us to put those things to death and become fixed on you because you're better than. We love you today. Strengthen and give wisdom and knowledge to every person that's in this house. We thank you in Jesus' name. I just wanna to talk to you in 60 seconds as a pastor. This is what the Bible calls a hard word. It's hard to teach in public forum, but it's a hard word because it affects us where we are. And as a pastor, we're spiritual fathers to the congregation. We take that very seriously. And I just wanna to say to you today, if you find yourself, and as Pastor Brad just said, all of us fit in here somewhere. Can we all be honest with that? And if you've got an error in your life, maybe you've failed maybe you're struggling with right now, this message today and our desire today is not to beat you up or make you leave here feeling guilty and ashamed. We do pray that we all leave here feeling convicted and a desire to change and, and look to Jesus. But I want you to know today that wherever you're at in life, God's a great God of a second chance and he lets us start over. And I just wanna encourage you today that wherever you're at, if you find yourself in addictions, just like I said, we had two young men in the early service. One was going to get high and the other one was walking down and, and God brought both of them in this building. Both of them gave their lives to Jesus. And, and, that, and be honest with you, that's, that's the third person in the last five weeks that have come to me personally and said, I was, I'd already made plans today to take my life and God brought me to this church today and he turned my life around. There's three in the last five Sundays that have told us that. So I'm just here today to tell you that we're not up here today to preach at you. We want you to know that literally, and I didn't do this first service, I just feel to do it in this one. We want you to know that we're down here on this earth right here with you. We fight every day just like you do. We hurt just like you do, but we're gonna make it together. We're gonna all make it together. And I just want you to know today that we love you. And we pray that you'll receive this word in the heart that it was presented, that we want it to be a preventative word that we're going to keep our eyes fixed. We're not going to let society determine our spirituality and how we're going to govern our lives. We're going to do it by the word of God and we're going to win in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you bow your heads to me? And, and I, I just pray right now, Father, that you would touch this congregation that we love so dearly. I pray, God, that you will embrace them. And I, I pray right now, Lord, for men and women boys and girls, God, that the enemy has lied to and deceived. They find themselves, Lord, 
They've left your arms for the arms of another person just trying to find that self-identity, trying to find that value, trying to find that worth. And I pray today, God, that you'll just open their eyes and their heart and let them realize, God, that they'll never find their value, worth, or happiness through the arms of another person. They've got to first be in the arms of a heavenly Father who truly loves them. And God, I pray today that you would touch hearts and lives in this building. That God, we will realize the lies and the deceit of the enemy. And today we will open our hearts and receive that great love you have for us. And if you're in this building right now, while every head is bowed, you would say, Pastor Dan, Pastor Brad, this word was for me today. It's a hard word. You're right, but it's for me. And I, I'm, I'm away from God. I'm not where I need to be with God. Today, I realize that I just need to make this prayer my prayer today first, and that's Jesus. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. If that's you, would you just lift a hand up just so God can see it? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up all over this building. God bless you. This is you and God. This is not me. This is you and God. It's just for God to see. I'm hearing you today, Father. I'm hearing you. I'm receiving what you're saying to me in love. I want to make the right choices today. I want to make the right choices with my life. Hands are going up all over this building. Maybe you're online right now on the web. You need to make a choice. You need to make that decision today. Jesus didn't come today to beat us up. He didn't come today to whip us. He came today to correct us so that he can bring us into the fullness of the joy and the life that he has for us. Will you pray this prayer? There was probably 15, 20 hands just raised. You pray this prayer with me and we're going to join you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you. First of all, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for loving me and opening my heart and my eyes to the deceit of the enemy. Today, I receive your word. I receive your grace and I receive your love. I'm a new person. In Christ Jesus, old things have passed away. All things have become new. I am, I am a new person today in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you celebrate.